Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I'm your host and narrator, Springheel Jack. And to all returning listeners, I would like to thank you very sincerely for continuing to listen and for your very loyal patronage. To all new listeners, please allow me to take this time to give you a brief disclaimer. This podcast is definitely not safe for work, not safe for school, not safe for your soft friends, not safe for your sissy children. So if you or anyone associated with you has ever been described as sensitive, empathetic, sweet, caring, or uh, soft, this podcast most, most likely will offend you due to how irreverent at times I'm told I can be. So if that is the case and you think that you were, you're in the category of easily offended, please, I will give you several seconds to turn this off. Also, let it be said, I strive to give you a genuine ad-free listening experience to all listeners that stuck around. I value your time as you value mine, and I like to act accordingly. However, while editing, the sweet and smoky sound of my voice tends to get under my skin and sound a bit monotonous, so I break it up with fake commercials, all of which in this episode are property of Rockstar Games. I own nothing having to do with them. I didn't have any involvement in the making of them. I just think they're fucking funny, and they're owned by Rockstar Games. With that being said, please listen to this advertisement from a fake company that doesn't exist and definitely does not sponsor me. We're Fleesa. We began as a credit card company, and thanks to customer allegiance and 29% interest fees that retain clients for life, we became a bank. But we're more than that. We're a brokerage firm, too. What's better than a bank investing your assets for our profits in the safety and security of the stock market? Hey, America's been through some tough times. We've all had to make some sacrifices in health and dignity to make ends meet. At Fleesa, we've sacrificed our integrity and spent a fortune lobbying so that regulations don't bog down the future. Fleesa, credit cards, banking, brokerage. It's time to start paying for everything. Start paying for this, Fleesa. All right, so uh, I decided that in honor of the upcoming holiday, that is uh, Halloween, for those of you that are living under a barn, I am going to intentionally find stories that cover subject matters that frighten me. Because like, yeah, sure, cryptids seem to be the most successful thing that I talk about, but uh, selfishly, Bigfoot doesn't frighten me. But you know what does? Mirrors. So I found a fuckload of mirror stories so that I can actually get scared for you for Halloween. And uh, I'm going to jump right into it. This first story is called Mirror Man uh, by Anonymous on Creepypasta.com. And as always... Every time that you hear a story, this is the first time that I'm reading it as well. So my reaction will be just about as sincere as I get. Usually monotone and passive, but sometimes genuinely frightened. Mirror Man. Hello there. My name is Jesse. I had heard that this site is where people would submit their stories. Well, their creepy stories at least. I've read a lot here. Mostly the stories you would read about monsters, supernatural things, serial killers, and even haunted things. I've heard that most of these stories are actually true, but I never did believe it. I didn't think stuff like that existed. Well, except for the serial killer part. My point is, I always thought that these things were hoaxes and just that. 
That is until the mirror man. You see, I go to high school in suburban Massachusetts. It's really what you would expect. A normal high school. Regular classes. Everybody has their own group of friends. You know, typical good time shit. No, the school's not haunted. No, it wasn't built on Native American burial grounds, nothing like that. It's a completely normal school. But lately, let's say about two, maybe three weeks ago, a rumor had started floating around the school, but it wasn't a usual rumor of, like, who's fucking who or who's pregnant or whatnot. This was more of one of those urban myth rumors that you'd hear about. And the guy... The guy that started this rumor, let's call him Tim. See, he was a well-known guy. He was that one guy in school that everybody kind of liked... And one day he came in with almost a triumphant smirk on his face as if he was parading around or something. One of my friends, Dan, had went up to him and asked what he was so fucking happy about, in which Tim responded, I have beaten the mirror man, as if it was some sort of a fucking achievement. To which Dan asked, who's the mirror man? Basically, since I don't want to keep this whole thing going... Basically, since I don't want to keep doing this, who said what thing I myself will tell you what the Mirror Man is? What? And as always, the grammatical errors start rolling. The Mirror Man is the quote-unquote spirit who will appear if you say the words Mirror Man into a mirror three times when you're alone. Now I know what you're thinking. Another one of those bogus mirror bullshit tricks, right? We all tried the Bloody Mary thing when we were kids, and we all found out it was bullshit and that no ghost would pop up, ultimately leaving you disappointed, but relieved at the same time that nothing was going to come out of the mirror and murder you or your family. And at first, I thought the same about this. Tim must be pulling a prank or something. Our whole lunch table gave him some skeptic response, in which he replied, if you don't believe me, try it for yourself. A few of us nodded at each other and said, yeah, sure. And then we went back to eating our fucking meals. The rest of the day was relatively normal after that. I had went home, did my homework, and that was it. My mom and dad were away for the week. Who leaves a fucking teenager alone for a week when they go on a business trip? So I was home alone, although I didn't mind because I still had my dog to keep me company. Time went on, and eventually it was night time. As it happens. <laughs> I had just finished brushing my tooth in front of the mirror when that thought on the rumor came up on my head again. I figured I would do it, if only to prove that it was really nothing. I turned off the lights, stood in front of the mirror, took a deep breath, and said the words three times. I waited for what seemed like a good minute in the dark. Nothing had happened. I knew it was fake from the start, and I smiled to myself and went to bed, waiting to rub my dick in Tim's face. The morning came along with school that day. The first half went pretty normal. Then it came to lunch. We were all there talking about what we usually do. Then came in Tim, only something was different. The usual aloof look on his face had faded into an expression of worry and deep concern. He was never like this before. He sat down slowly, and we had all asked him what was wrong. He was silent for a moment before saying, I seen him again. We asked who, and he saw that we were eager to find out what was doing this to our friend. He gave only a shaky reply. The Mirror Man. I rolled my eyes at the thought that he was just pulling the stunt to get attention. Mirror Man's not real, I said. I tried it last night, you punk bitch. Tim turned to me and shouted at me. He's real, and I saw him again last night. He's coming for me because he said he would. This had caught the attention of the other tables in the area as well as the teachers, so the entire cafeteria went silent as he shouted, He's coming for me one more time. 
One of the better-known teachers had grabbed him by the shoulders and escorted him out of the cafeteria. What the fucking shit was going on here? This is back in the day when you could still manhandle students, apparently. The good old days. Fast forward a few days later, the rumor of Mirror Man had spread throughout the school onto the internet everywhere, locally. It had become a craze by the time my parents had gotten home from their trip. I told him everything. I had still continued to do the Mirror Man trick every night, but no matter what I did, I never saw whatever I was supposed to see. However, many other people in my high school had apparently seen him, even if they didn't do the trick. They would just be staring at their reflection, fixing their hair, and then out of nowhere, the reflection would distort into the Mirror Man. No. Ugh, but why wouldn't he show up for me? I didn't understand, and it frustrated me. Because you're the mirror man, little hummy. Mm -mm. Upon the morning of last Monday, the entire school had been called into the auditorium. This usually didn't happen unless something really good or really bad would happen. And with the recent news, I sure as hell knew it wasn't anything good. The principal of the school had stepped out with a grave look on his face. He walked up to the podium and said, When Napoleon was in grind for a year... No. Uh, Tim has died. The police had found his body in his room after they had broken down the door. Why did they have to break down the door? I couldn't believe my ear. Was this really happening? No, it couldn't be. How had he died? Had he really killed himself over this whole mirror man thing? Was something else going on here? Later that night, I had signed onto the school's website because the school had a chat system implemented where students could contact other students about when papers were due, help on projects, and bullshit like that. Edline, huh? Fuck Edline. I was chatting with my friends and other kids about the day's events, and suddenly a message popped up. Mirror Man has logged into the chat room. I looked at the message for a few seconds, and was this some kind of a fucking joke? Because nobody was laughing. But even if they were, asshole, you wouldn't be able to tell because it's like AIM, so suck a dick. He said nothing when all the other students called him out on his tasteless name. All he did was post a link to a picture in the chat. The moderator banned him immediately afterwards. I clicked on the link, apart from my better judgment, and I wish I hadn't. What I saw in that picture will be sure to haunt me for the rest of my life. It was Tim, but it was his corpse, pale and lifeless. His jaw hanging open as if he were screaming, and there were a dozen shards of glass dug into his skin, including two larger ones that stuck into his eyes, blood everywhere. And carved onto his chest were two parallel lines, lined up vertically with an X slightly overlapping them. Hm. I was appalled and I began to tearfully cry. He was a kid, for fuck's sake. Who did that to him, and why would they do that to him? Instinctively, the first thing I thought was, the mirror man was real. Did he do it to Tim? All these questions buzzed in my head. I started feeling nauseous, so I ripped the cord out of my computer, making the screen go black, and just cried there like a little girl. Over the next days, things only got worse. More kids were missing. More ended up dead, and each time it was done, a picture of their corpse ended up on the school website under the screen name Mirror Man. Eventually, I just stopped clicking because I knew what the picture was as well. As well as everyone else did. The school was shut down by police soon after that. The FBI started questioning everyone, but one thing kept my mind... One thing kept I my mind the entire time was why I couldn't see the mirror man. I shouldn't even be asking this. I should just consider it a blessing and leave it alone, but I wanted to know why. So one final time, I went to the bathroom. One final time, I turned the lights off and looked in the mirror. And one final time, I said the words three times. My voice grew shaky and unstable with each time my mind was about to snap. I needed to know, and finally I saw him. My reflection distorted. It was replaced by a man wearing a pair of jeans and an olive green hooded sweatshirt, but his clothes were bloodstained. There were shards of glass sticking into him and in, impaling him like a fucking pinned cushion. His mouth was sewn shut, and I couldn't see 
the rest of his face, but in his hand, there was a bloody shard of mirror. I was petrified. How does one react to a serial killer staring him down? I don't think this could be real. I didn't think it could be real. It had to be one big fucked up dream or hallucination or something. I took a step back from the mirror, my heart thumping in my ears, and that was all I could hear. When surprisingly, he took a step away. Being cautious, I took another step away, as did he. When I moved, he moved, just like that, in perfect sync. As if I was looking in a mirror. <laughs> Dipshit. I closed my eyes and shook my head. There I was again. Well, there was my face, but my clothes had changed. I was wearing an olive green sweater and jeans. And there was a piece of bloodied mirror in my hand. I looked down, and it was all true. There I was, wearing the exact same thing the mirror man had worn just a moment ago. No, no. This had to be another trick, I thought. He was fucking with my head. Then I saw a blood trail leading out the bathroom door. I reluctantly followed it, and it led to the door of my parents' bedroom. I kept whispering in a hushed tone as if I was pleading. Now! Over and over, I kept saying. I had slowly opened the door, and there were both my parents with broken shards of glass through them, two through each eye, and the two lines with the X on their bodies. I knew the reason why I couldn't see him. It's because I could always see him. I was the mirror man. I had done all those terrible things. It was me. Eh, all right. Predictable. A for effort. It's a pretty good final project, I guess, for like a creative writing class. It'll do. It'll do. The pharmaceutical industry is at it again. They don't want you to vote yes on Proposition 208 and legalize medical cocaine. For millions of Americans, it's the medicine that helps them get through the day. A God-given plant strained through gasoline in the jungle by a man with missing teeth. Vote yes on Proposition 208 and legalize medical cocaine. Now that's an idea. Just kidding, crack is whack. That's his cocaine. This one is called The Mirror by Anonymous. No, just kidding. No, I'm not. It is by Anonymous on creepypasta.com. I touched the button in the middle of the screen and a quick blue flash filled the room. I turned my phone screen towards me and looked at the phone I had just taken. At the photo I had just taken. I was smiling, and my new fluffy kitten was nestled into my arm, looking off to one side. I gently placed that bitch onto the bed, where she sat down and curled a thick white tail around delicate black paws and blinked at me slowly with bright green eyes. Ugh, already sick to my fucking stomach. She had been the only female in the litter, and instead of being covered in lots of black patches like her siblings she had one black patch on her cheek and four matching paws today i was able to bring her home and was taking lots of pictures to remember the day on the bedside table was a little red collar with a bell i picked it up tore off the price tag and fastened it around her neck to make her slavery complete i walked over to the bed and sat as she wandered around curiously around my room and eventually towards the old antique mirror in the corner of the room I watched, titillated, as she curiously sniffed at her reflection, fogging up the grass, glass briefly with each breath. I began scrolling through my recent photos, deleting those I was unhappy with or where she looked fat. Meanwhile, my tiny cat had begun growling at the mirror, fluffing herself up to twice her size. Twice her size? That should be issue number one. Baring her teeth, and her reflection mimicked her, hissing and spitting back. 
I laughed as I watched her reach out to a paw strike at the glass and then bounce backwards. She made one last snarl at the mirror before, mirror before turning and fleeing under the bed. Stupid pussy, I muttered. I sat up to go retrieve her from under the bed when I noticed a white flash by the mirror. Kitten's reflection was still there, frozen in a snarl, staring directly into the room. It slowly reached out a paw and rested its pink pads on the other side of the glass before it rippled like water. The kitten pressed harder, and the reflection, limb by limb, crawled out of the mirror and stepped delicately paw by paw into the room, briefly glanced at me before it focused its attention under the bed and sprinted under. High-pitched squealing echoed around the room and two snarling balls of fur locked together. Rolled out from under the bed, tufts of white fur flying, two collar bells tinkling, and one of them started to scramble away, but the other pounced onto its back and hammered with its hind paws, causing the pinned kitten to wail in agony. Nice. Teeth dug into her neck and paws flailed as one of the cats dragged the other by the scruff towards the mirror in the corner. I sat stunned, positive I was hallucinating, hallucinating, but oddly excited because two cats for the price of one. I wonder if their reflection's reflection would come out now, too. The two fighting cats sprang apart briefly and stood panting, tails flicking, fur bristling, staring each other down. So which one's which now, smart guy? I looked from one to, we, one to the other, trying to work out which cat was which, and I desperately tried to remember which side she had her back black patch on. One had a black patch on its left cheek, the other on its right, and they were perfectly mirrored, so I panicked, grabbed my phone, and fumbling to unlock the screen to see the photos. The most recent picture I had taken then popped up. It was a white kitten in my arms with a black patch on its right cheek. Put my phone down, crept towards the two cats on the verge of springing at each other again and grabbed the kitten with the patch on its left. It squirmed and struggled in my arms, sinking its teeth into my skin. What the fuck? Throw it out the window. And shredding my arm with its torn, thorn-sharp claws. I pressed it against the glass as hard as I could. Like water, the glass rippled and the imposter plopped to the carpet on the other side of the glass. Photos are mirrored too, you fucking idiot. Dipshit. It crouched, ready to jump back out. Terrified, I kicked the mirror as hard as I could and left a huge crack running jagged from bottom to top. My own reflection was mirroring my actions. I kicked again and again and again until shards of glass fell out of the frame and rained onto the carpet. Breathing heavily, I looked at my kitty, who was staring wide-eyed at me. I scooped her up, carried her to bed, cuddling her as she trembled. And I was about to place her down, I noticed my phone still lit up with a picture of us. My stomach flipped as I spotted the poster in the background with the words written backwards. I had used my phone's front camera and snapped mirror images. Yep predictable because you're a fucking dipshit but nice try cat people you're a strange bunch i'm not a huge cat fan if you couldn't tell maintaining a relationship can be trying especially when she's getting fat and all you want to do is jerk off and play video games rather than listen to her mouth hi i'm spiritual advisor and marriage counselor david kabir come to my one week retreat and i'll show you how to learn real closeness how by giving up what you're close to you'll give up your possessions including your significant other developed in the 1950s by marvin cuck cuck hold therapy works it worked for us it was truly a defining moment in our trust and commitment when a well-endowed dude was ravaging her while I looked on helplessly. See? It's going to bring you closer together. After the trauma, you'll cling to each other deep in shame. And that's what a good relationship is about. Burying the shame as deep as possible. You have to start at the bottom and work your way up. After you see another man use your wife as a urinal, it puts your whole marriage in perspective. I'm David Kabir. Come to my one-week marriage retreat. Sign up today. Yikes. 
All right, this next one's called Mirror. Oddly creative with the names here, if you couldn't tell. Written by Anonymous from Creepypasta.com. Mirror 2. I'm sorry, this is the sequel, Mirror 2, to whatever Mirror 1 was. I wouldn't say I'm a narcissist, but I have learned how to appreciate my looks, take care of myself, and keep up my looks, and I'm not going to have them forever after all. Oh, this one's well-written, I can tell. My friends would agree that I would have a habit of always looking at my reflection. New paragraph. Exclamation point was about 21 when this happened. It was my birthday, and my older friends took me out drinking. I had drinks in my teen years, but once I knew I was legal age, my dumbass got drunk. I felt my bladder tighten as I finished another bottle of beers. I groaned at the feeling and excused myself to use the restroom. I stumbled to the bathroom and quickly did what I went for. What I went there for. Oh, God. T-H-E-I-R. What I went there for. As I passed the row of mirrors over the sink, I frowned as I saw my reflection looking less than neat. I grabbed some paper towels before turning on the water to wash off my ruined makeup. Oh, not this was a... Well, it's, it could still be a guy, I guess. I bent down to splash the cold water onto my face. As I stood straight up, I gasped as I saw my reflection grinning before turning and stepping closer to the mirror. I backed away and rubbed my eyes, only to reopen them, seeing my normal reflection. My breathing slowed down as I observed the mirror and grinned, shaking my head as I left the bathroom, drawing the reflection up to the just of my imagination. <sighs> Later that night, I was cuddled deep into my blankets on my bed as I tried to nurse my headache from earlier party. For fuck's sake, dude. Proofread. I looked over to the mirror on my closet door. At first, all I saw was my reflection laying down, fingering herself, covered by blankets. As I started to drift off to sleep, my reflection slowly sat up and walked to the bathroom, which was directly across from the closet's mirror. I felt my tiredness seep away as I saw this happen and quickly sat up before running to the bathroom, absolutely psyched out at this point. I sucked. In a breath, as I flicked on the light, looking around the bathroom until I saw her, my reaction, my reflection, I mean, in the mirror again. I covered my mouth to silence my screams. There was a man standing behind my reflection, a knife deep embedded into her throat. It felt hot tears running down the cheeks as I saw this, but my eyes grew wide as I felt breathing on the back of my head and something cold and hard hitting my throat. His penis? <sighs> Amateur hours. Apparently just anybody can submit on this shit. So, her reflection and a serial killer conspired against her? But how? You're a dipshit fucking asshole. Never mind. Message from somebody that doesn't sponsor me. After that waste of time fucking story. Sometimes the things we do aren't so bad. We just don't describe them the right way. That leads to stress, anxiety, baldness, and death. Hi, I'm Allison Montana, thinker, writer, philanthropist. I want to help you access the most powerful force in the universe to achieve exactly what you want without changing a thing about yourself. That's right. I know it sounds crazy, but you heard right. I want you to achieve all of your goals without doing anything. When you unlock the power of rebranding, you can do anything you want. 
Yes, in our nation's history, nothing has been more important than marketing. It's the thing that built America, and now it's going to build you, thanks to the power in my incredible book, Unlock the Power, by Allison Montana. You're not jerking off. You're engaging in creative visualization and brainstorming. My book, Unlock the Power, by Allison Montana, will help you change your self-perception forever. Forever. On that note, welcome back to the Compendium of Horror, where we creatively debunk well-known urban legends and myths. I'm your host, Pogo-Footed John, and now we're going to dive phallus first into another terrifying story about something called a mirror. And this story is also called Mirrors, written by Anonymous on Creepypasta.com. I'm writing this down in this journal because if I don't, I may go insane. You may think me insane after reading my story. I wish I was. My name is Jared Baldwin. I imagine that's Jared. I am a 22 years old. <laughs> I recently moved into a brand new apartment in rural Maine. Everything was going great the first two weeks. I was having no problems unpacking my boxes and every seemed, everything seemed to fit nicely. It looked as if everything I had bought had been bought to furnish this particular apartment. The power company had forgotten to shut off the electricity, cable, and Wi-Fi. You realize the power company doesn't handle all three of those fucking things, right, dipshit? <sighs> or perhaps, now that I think about it, they'd left so fast the company never knew they'd moved out. I can't blame them. Here we go again. The first night sleeping in the apartment, once I had completely furnished it and gotten everything set up just the way I wanted it, was fantastic. I had no problems adjusting to the new environment whatsoever. I fell asleep within five minutes of getting into bed. It was strange, especially for me, since I usually have trouble falling asleep anywhere I'm not used to. I had this feeling that I was meant to live in that apartment, though it was run down and in a completely isolated area. If it was completely isolated, why the fuck was there an apartment building there? I don't do well with isolation, though it didn't bother me in this apartment. Because you're not isolated, you fucking idiot. You share a wall with somebody. That's an apartment. The second day went well, though I noticed something strange about the bathroom mirror. It had been painted over with black paint. Not an inch of the mirror could be seen through the coat. See that? Me too. A sledgehammer rested on the tile as though someone had just dropped it and left after considering smashing the mirror, too concerned about leaving the apartment to pick it up before they moved away. Of course, I didn't think anything of it at the time. I was rather excited to have gotten a free sledgehammer. Okay, I'm with you. A few days went by without incident, and I was completely happy in my new abode. However, strange shit was starting to happen. One night around three, I woke up with the urgent need to use the shitter. I shuffled in and stopped dead in my tracks. Though the mirror was covered with black paint, a faint silver glow showed beneath the crack in the coat. I was fascinated and overwhelmed with the desire to scrape off the paint and shove my hand through the mirror. I thought I could hear faint whispers coming through on the other side, beckoning me to clear the mirror of its black cover. I came to my sense and realized that this was happening was not fascinating but frightening. The voices behind the mirror became irate, and a split second later, both the glow and the voices were gone. I closed my eyes, shook my head, and then opened them again, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I'd been dreaming, and sleepwalked into the bathroom. Somebody wake me, I'm dreaming. I used the restroom and returned to my bed without giving the mirror a second thought. Without giving my grammar or proofreading a second thought. Next night, the same thing happened, though I noticed some of the paint had chipped off the mirror, a small hole in the paint, about three inches tall and two inches wide. 
Hey, man, that small hole is the size of some poor man's penis. It revealed a sil sliver of mirror, which glowed and pulsated with a sort of silver electricity. The voices, soothing and inviting, called me and begged me to remove the paint from the mirror. I closed my eye, and when I opened them again, I found myself in bed. I glanced at the clock, 7.43. Had I dreamed the whole thing? I had a nagging doubt in mind that maybe that was happening was not a dream at all, but common sense put that idea to rest for a while. A few more nights passed without incident. I awoke once more and shuffled into this shitter in the middle of the night, as I had done twice before. This time, a very large amount of paint had been removed. A hole about a foot tall, four inches wide, had been made in the paint. It's not a lot, man. The pulsing electric glow permeated the surface of the mirror and reached out into the shitter. Tendrils of smoke trickled from the mirror, and once again the voices begged me to free the mirror from its coat. Once again, I found myself back in bed, only to find, once again, it was the next morning. I went into the shitter and saw that an even larger hole in the paint had been made overnight. I looked at my hands and saw black under my nails and staining my fingers. God, had I been the one removing the paint? The thought frightened me, and that night I bolted the bathroom door shut from the outside. Previous tenants had placed the lock there, no doubt, for the same reason I had. When I awoke that night, I unlocked the deadbolt and went into the bathroom, the voices more inviting than ever before and making me feel like I was meant to do nothing else but free whatever hid behind the mirror, uh, once again demanded that I move the paint. I obeyed, though a very deep level of my subconscious screamed at me to stop. I stuffed it and let the sheer pleasure of removing the paint drive me to do my duty. I woke the next morning, horrified to see that I would removed all the paint from the mirror. Not a shrapnel of black remained on the mirror, and my hands were completely black. What had I done? Had I been out sleepwalking in blackface? I was afraid to sleep that night. A few weeks passed without incident. One night, waking up around three, as I had done many times before, I went into the bathroom with the request of the voices coming through the bedroom door. Through the bathroom door, rather. They were louder now, as one would expect, for they were no longer muffled by paint, which does a, such a great job of muffling sound. What I saw terrified me more than anything I've ever before experienced. The thing that lived in the mirror was not pleasant at all. Yeah, did you think it would be? The silver glow was more intense than ever surrounding the outside of the mirror. Tendrils of smoke poured from the glass and the creature grinned at me, revealing jowls of jagged fangs. My heart nearly exploded through my chest. The voice that had been for been so kind and pleasant now sounded menacing and sinister. The creature, hidden by shadow, climbed through the glass, chanting my name. Uh, should have called you a dipshit, would have been more appropriate. I ran out of the bathroom and into the living room. Hearing it close behind, laughing and taking its time, I bolted out the front door did not look back. I didn't worry about my belongings or about leaving my door unlocked. I didn't even grab my car keys. I just ran. You're stupid. Now, as I take refuge in the neighbor's home, I can't help but feel as though I'm not safe. I released it from the mirror. I know it will hunt me until it pulls me into the mirror with it. I have to get away from Maine. Wow. Tomorrow? How the fuck did you pull this one off? Tomorrow I'll be moving to California. Why the fuck would you move to California? I don't care about my belongings. I just want to be safe. It's not going to happen out here. Oh, for the love of God, please stay in Maine. We have more than enough people to talk to at a fucking bus stop. Please. It's the last thing we need. What will you do when you finally win the lottery? I'm going to help starving children in foreign countries. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going to indulge in every whim and then learn to hate myself like a real rich person. I'm going to go on a sex tourism trip around the world. Nebraska, Thailand, I don't give a shit. I'll be tearing up ass globally. Start dreaming. Play the San Andreas State Lottery and have all your fantasies come true. It had been two months since I last wrote in this notebook. 
Now I'm living in what I actually know to be a very small apartment in Southern California, and I'm working in a restaurant to pay the rent. Bitch, what restaurant pays enough to live in Southern California? <sighs> Though I can barely afford to buy gro- Okay, maybe. <laughs> Though I can barely afford to buy groceries, I'm happy that I no longer have to worry about the demon in the mirror. Well, that, what, who said it was a demon? Though last night I thought I heard a soft, lovely voice calling to me from the shitter while I slept. That couldn't have happened, though. I'm probably just still having nightmares because of what happened in Maine. There's no way it followed me here, right? There's no way you can afford a fucking apartment with a bathroom if you're working part-time at a restaurant in California, you asshole. Fucking God. What a... It... In the fucking alternate universe where you can pay for an apartment in which you live alone in Southern California, in somewhere where you're not more worried about the gunfire outside, I'm certain it could have followed you. If you believe in that sort of thing, or if you believe in the missile shield, or strippers with hearts of gold. Oh, that's upsetting. Here's another fucking advertisement from somebody I that isn't, doesn't, not a real person. Fucking Jesus Christ. The video game of the year. My name is Vladisake Abdulchinkov. A combination of all the hate. I am half Russian, half Asian, half Muslim. I will defeat the Americans. A first-person shooter with a story like no other. But Commander, they will be sending the Bravo Sierra International Elite Special Forces Ranger Squad after you. <laughs> they will never catch me. The only way into my hideout is by those planes that got stolen somewhere in the absurdly exotic last country. What's that noise? And why aren't we speaking Russian? Whiskey Sour Poontang, you are clear to fire. Righteous Slaughter 7, the innovative art of contemporary killing. How do you kill? Rated PG. Pretty much the same as the last game. All right, we're going to switch topics here because you mirror authors have screwed the pooch hard, and uh, I want to be frightened by something. So, this is from Reddit, posted by Inox. Five years ago, it was posted, and it's titled, I was part of the Queen's Garden, England, one of the rare jobs where you aren't allowed to move no matter what stands in front of you. Okay. I was in the English Army, you know. Two tours in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. My mom absolutely hated the life I chose, and I can't really blame her. But you know what? The fucked up part is that the biggest horror I ever experienced wasn't in one of those shitty parts of the East. No, it was the very center of quote-unquote civilization, London. After I finished my third tour, I was awarded by the army. Apparently, surviving fighting the Taliban in the mountains is reason enough to be honored. They offered me a spot in the Queen's Guard. I'm not sure how much you know about that, but in England, it's a pretty big fucking deal. And I didn't want it and hated it. I was permanently stationed at home, and I was told it was a reward for my bravery. And that's all in quotation marks in my mind. I was now standing in front of buildings, motionless, while annoying Chinese tourists tried to make me laugh while pretending to jerk off. I wanted out, but the honor of the position combined with my mother's happiness that the biggest danger I could ever face would be an Asian tourist pretending to jerk off, so I had no choice but to do it. Only if I'd known I'd been safer in Kabul. So I was stationed to work at the Tower of London a few shifts a week. They were usually two to three hours long, depending on how many people worked that day. I gotta tell you, that job gets fucking old fucking fast. Drunk people try to mess with you, along with annoying tourists who think they're the first ones ever to try to make you laugh. 
You just want out of your own skin. But it was a job, and it was paid, so I shut the fuck up, and I did it. Now, this one day, this one day in 2012 started out boring as any other day. I had a few French guys trying to mess with me. Uh, they were the worst, because you can't do shit unless they threaten you. Then I had a group of drunk Russian chicks who were kind of entertaining. Uh, the heat was just starting to melt that fucking hat into my skull when a huge group of tourists showed up. Some sort of a guided tour, I assumed. They all did their standard spiels, funny faces, jokes, etc. They all had their cameras out, and they all wore the same t-shirts, which was some Big Ben tour bullshit. All but one. I noticed her standing in the back, just staring at me. She was a good-looking woman, probably early 40s, really dark, long hair, some some kind, some kind of pale skin complexion, uh, which made me think she was English. She did seem to be part of the tour as she stood there with all the others. Then after the group finally took enough pictures and I realized, and then, and realized I wasn't going to laugh, they started moving on except for the pale woman who stayed and kept watching me. Now I've seen my fair share of people doing all kinds of stupid shit to get a reaction out of me, but this was a new one. Not only that, this lady was committed. Two hours, and hundreds of tourists later, she still stood in the very same spot, just staring at me. The day got pretty hot, and there was no way she was comfortable, but I shit you not, she was calmer than I was. She wasn't smiling, which was strange, because I assumed she was trying to make me react. But about 30 minutes later, when the crowd around me slowly died out, she took a step towards me, then another one. Here we go. Joke incoming, I thought, as she took her sweet time walking up closer. She stopped about two feet away from me, and she was looking straight into my eyes. Tilted her head to the left, then to the right, which I assumed was her attempt at making me laugh. Then I realized the woman wasn't here to joke around. Still standing at two feet, she started leaning towards me. There was something just so fucked up about her mannerisms that it made me extremely uneasy. She never lost eye contact with me. She kept leaning towards me while her feet never moved. Her face stopped just short of touching mine, and her position seemed unnatural at that point. And her head slowly started shaking, like when you get out of a pool or a shower and you're freezing, you know? And then she scared the fucking shit out of me. I had people screaming in my face, I had a moron trying to fight me, but what she did was by far the worst. She opened her mouth as if she was about to let out the loudest scream at me, but nothing came out. She just stood there, leaned at an unnatural angle, inches from my face letting a fucking silent scream, or whatever that was, out of her wide open mouth. And the speed of her shaking increased. Now, I'm not going to lie, even though it was a hot day, I could still feel the ice-cold goosebumps that ran all the way up and down the length of my uniform. I finally got myself together and started marching away from her. We were allowed to do a ten-step march occasionally. When I got to the end of one way, I stopped and closed my eyes. I just wanted her to be gone. When I turned around, as I made a 180-degree turn, I instantly froze because she was right in front of me. Leaned all the way to my face, mouth open even wider, head now shaking uncontrollably. I was so taken aback, I was unable to react. Noise, screaming, and other stuff I can deal with, but this silent, creepy fucking behavior was so intimidating I didn't know what to do. Make way for the Queen's Guard, I yelled. We are allowed to say that when somebody is in our way. She didn't react, but she did lean farther to about an inch from my face. Make way for the Queen's Guard, I yelled even louder, hoping my voice wouldn't crack. She had absolutely zero regard for my orders. Unwilling to deal with the bullshit any longer, I stepped back and pointed my bayonet at her. This is the last resort for annoying tourists. She immediately closed her mouth and leaned back into a normal human position. I was not going to wait for her to do whatever that was again, so I started marching around her. When I got back to my post... 
I turned around and stood still, and I could see her in the corner of my eye, which gave me a huge relief. Jesus, this fucking job. I'm going to have to look into... Ten, nine, eight. Somebody whispered in my right ear. It must be her. She was behind me somehow. Ten, nine, eight. Whispers from my left side. Goosebumps for all time erect now. Hilarious, isn't it? Combat veteran. Killed more people than she'd even... Ever, than he'd ever want to admit, is now scared to hell of some batshit tourist lady. 1098, 1098, 1098. She sped up her whispering, then walked in front of me. 1098, 1098, 1098. Which she was whispering incredibly fast. Actually, whispering doesn't describe it. It was like yelling, but in a whispered tone, if that makes any sense. It was surreal. She leaned towards my face again, whispering those fucking numbers frantically. I was about to break my orders. I couldn't take it anymore. There was something fucked up about this woman, and I couldn't deal with it. Ma'am, I spoke in the biggest of. I spoke in a voice of the biggest scared pussy. Will you please stop? And then a huge group of loud tourists ran up on us. The crazy woman leaned back, still looking at me, and she whispered, 1098, one more time, while never losing eye contact. And then she walked away as slowly as she moved around me. It was so strange watching her slowly disappear into the crowd. All that was left was a strange feeling of something that I couldn't put my fingers on, but it was something unnatural. That and a group of life saving, annoying Asian tourists. Never thought I'd be so happy to see Nikon snapping Chinese guy pretending to jerk off on my face. After my shift was done, I went into our base and told the story to a couple of guys. They all had some experience with creepy people, but never on this level. When our shift commander came in, guys jokingly told him that I was abused on duty and he wanted, he wanted some laughs, so he asked for the full story. But when I started telling him what happened, he quickly lost his smile. Stop. Stop. He said, did you talk to her? Sir, I asked intrigued, did you or did you not speak to this woman? I wasn't going to lose my weekly pay over breaking this stupid no-talking rule, so I lied and said, of course not, sir. He seemed to calm down. Good. And if she ever comes back, never talk back. Understood? And that goes for all of you. Joking atmosphere quickly died into the break room. I was puzzled. But I was even more tired, so I decided to go home and sleep instead of worrying about crazy fucking tourists. Next few shifts went by as boring as they were supposed to. Woman was nowhere to be seen, and since my girlfriend was about to visit me all the way from the Netherlands, I forgot about the incident. Tuesday night around 3 a.m., I was awoken by a loud banging at the door, and for some strange reason, the first thought that crossed my mind was that fucked-up woman from a few weeks ago. Babe, would you mind peeping through the hole to see who it is? I lazily pushed my girlfriend off me, and uh, semi-conscious, I stumbled through the hallway to the door. Who is it? I muttered while peeking through the hole, but it was too dark outside. That sobered me up. Who is it? I asked again, but the only answer I got was louder banging. Fuck it, I thought as I took a deep breath and opened the door. There were about a million things I'd rather see standing in front of me at that moment, and the only one person I did not expect to be at the door was there, my girlfriend. No! I was supposed to pick her up tonight. I nearly lost all control of my legs. Thousands of things raced through my mind, which was having trouble comprehending what the fuck was happening. Ugh. Thanks for picking me up at Heathrow, asshole, my girlfriend said as she slammed the carry-on on my chest. I was still speechless. So I traveled all the way from Amsterdam to see you and you fucking forgot. I wasn't hearing it. I knew I was still half asleep when I got up, but there was someone in my bed. I wasn't dreaming, for fuck's sake. Stay there, I mumbled as I handed the bag back. What's wrong? Just stay there. Not knowing where I got the courage to walk into the bedroom, I slowly made my way. I know what you're thinking. In movies and books, the guy walks into the room, and boom, it's empty, right? I fucking wish. I walked into my room, and it was completely dark, but I could hear breathing, heavy breathing. My pulse 
was sure I was going to pass out, but I flipped the switch. 765, 765, 765. Whispers came from the corner of the room where she stood. The same fucking bitch. She stood almost glued to the corner of the room, her back to the wall. She was looking straight at me. And though I was sure I lost the power of speech, I managed to squeeze out a what the fuck. And she said 765 one more time as she took a few slow steps towards me. Her mouth was always wide open as if she were letting out that damned soundless scream. Every step she'd make, she'd closed her mouth enough to say 765. I couldn't move. Nothing in this world existed between this woman slowly walking towards me. What a creepy, unsettling feeling like I wasn't physically afraid of her, right? I could take her down and was ready to, but that kind of... Fear was something foreign to me. It seemed like I was afraid for my shit. I don't know, my soul. You know what I mean. I knew she couldn't hurt me physically, but I was still scared. Not to mention I fucking somehow slept in the same bed with whatever the fuck she is. She came incredibly close to me. The familiar lean an inch from my face. My breathing was so irregular and loud that it was the only noise in the room. 765. Suddenly, something about this had a strangely familiar feeling. What the fuck? Scream came from behind me. My girlfriend. I snapped into reality, turned around, grabbed my girl, run. I yelled as we escaped the room. We ran to the kitchen where I grabbed one of those as-seen-on-TV steel cutting knives. My girlfriend was silently weeping at my side, unable to ask questions. I could hear footsteps. First, I saw the shadow, and then I could hear her calmly walking through the hallway. Her mouth was now so unnaturally wide open, and she wasn't looking at me anymore. She was looking at the ceiling as she slowly made her way to the door. Her head was shaking very fast. It was also... Fucking, absolutely surreal. I'm telling you, I mean, just imagine this woman who creeped you out a week ago is now walking around your place at three in the morning, staring at the ceiling with its mouth impossibly wide open, not to mention you slept next to her for fuck knows how long. If he thought it was his girlfriend, you think he fucked her? Uh, when she finally walked out, I ran to the door and I slammed it shut. Girlfriend was still unable to speak. When we got ourselves together, I was afraid she'd think I cheated on her with this bitch, but she definitely didn't. She saw the horror walk through our hallway, and she knew something was wrong. I was terrified, but I didn't let it show. The scariest part of everything was that I had a job that required me to stand still and not react to my surroundings. I told my girlfriend about my experience with this fucked up bitch, but it didn't mention her 1098-765 whispers. I didn't want to scare her any further, because... What could those whispers be, if not a countdown? Sure, you work at an office. Sure, you do Pilates. Yes, your wife earns more money than you do. But don't let anyone tell you you're not a man. Let them know you're a tool. You tool. The do-it-yourself mega hardware store for guys just like you. Real tools. Guys who don't need to hire a plumber or electrician. Guys who do it themselves. Tools. Blue-collar guys aren't geniuses, and neither are you. Demonstrate this to your wife once and for all at U-Tool. Buy a circular saw. Any guy can use one of them. Wiring is for ninnies. Wire like the pros and make your house a safe place you can be proud of. Show that wife who's boss. The guy with the belt full of gear and the house under control. Show your wife who the family tool is. U-Tool, the mega hardware superstore. And this is a, a technically a two-part story, but since I am a charitable and benevolent god, or a narrator, rather, I'll read the second part right now, because I think cliffhangers are for pussies. I was hesitant to call the police after the crazy whatever-the-fuck-she-was left my apartment, but my girlfriend wouldn't have it. Police were at our place in about 20 minutes. 
took our statements, the woman's description, and told us, immediately, to call them should anything else happen. But my mind was set on something else, my commander. He told me never to talk to her, and I had, and now I'm waking up in bed with her. How the fuck did she get into my flat? Shit, and too many thoughts. Next day, I bit the bullet and went to my commandant. Sir, I said very carefully, you need to understand that losing this job, no matter how shitty it was, definitely wasn't on my to-do list. Sir, we need to talk. He looked up from his desk, and I shit you not, he knew. His face lost all emotion. He didn't even ask what happened. Sit, he said, as he leaned back in his chair. Sir, I was having a hard time confessing to breaking the rules of the guard. You spoke to her. You responded, he said, as he leaned towards me. Didn't you? Well, I just asked her to move, that's all. No, not the Queen's Guard Command. Did you say anything else? I did. If you remember, besides me yelling, make way for the Queen's Guard, I did say, ma'am, will you please? God damn it, you fucking mouth-breathing piece of shit, motherless lowlife. This is the first time I'd ever heard my commandant swear. Sir, who is this woman? I'm going to file for your immediate removal from the guard. He brushed me off as he opened his desk to look for something. Sir, I asked, not believing I was about to lose my job. Don't worry, I'll find you something else to do, but your days in the guard are over. Expect transfer within the week. Sir, I just... This is all... Son, you can leave now, he said, not even looking at me. I was pissed, but then again, if I was going to keep my paycheck without having to stand on the street and deal with tourists and Asian people pretending to jerk off in my general direction, I was just fine with that. The new schedule came out, and what do you know, I was only scheduled to work one shift that week, but that was really handy because I was supposed to babysit my seven-year-old niece visiting from Birmingham, and I had already planned out the whole weekend with her. Thursday came with no further incidents with my mouth wide open bitch. My girlfriend finally calmed down. She left back to Amsterdam that morning and in a decent mood. Life was getting back on track, or so it seemed. My shift that day was 6 to 10 in front of St. James Palace. There are usually two of us working there, but for some reason I was scheduled to work alone from 9 to 10. The little wooden post is where we'd stand in case of a storm. And that's where we were in this case. Okay, buddy, hang in there. I'm almost done. My fellow guard said at 9.02 p.m. as he marched back inside. One more hour. One last hour of this fucking job and I am free. God damn it, it feels good. I thought as I stood still in front of my post... Night was unusually quiet, but it was starting to rain, so I guess it was to be expected. 9.30 p.m. Still light rain. Still boring as fuck. Almost there. 9.45. Rain was picking up, so I decided to spend my last few minutes in the post. I turned around. I shouldn't have. There she was. If I were a writer, I'd use all those descriptive tools to paint a picture of how horrifying that woman looked at that, that night. Let me tell you, this was the single most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And I've seen a child getting killed by a landmine. Oof. The woman was standing at the door of the post. She wore a white dress that was nearly shining in the dark. But her face, fuck man, her face, she wasn't looking at me, which somehow made it even worse. She was looking at the sky or whatever the fuck was up there, and her eyes went so far up I could only see the bottom of her pupils. Her mouth was wide open, and I was nearly sure it was not possible for people to be able to do this. So there was something surreal about standing in front of somebody who doesn't act rationally, like if you're getting mugged, you know, they want your money. Shit, if you're getting shot at, you know they're trying to shoot you. But the true mental horror is not knowing what the fuck she wanted. 9.49, 11 minutes of this and I can finally leave. She took a step towards me, then another one. About two feet from me, she stopped. She started leaning. That fucking lean. Her face just stopped short of mine. At first, her head started shaking slowly, but started to move increasingly fast. It was a small kind of shake, though. 
As I said before, kind of like when you get out of the shower into an air-conditioned room and start shaking. The pupils were so high up I could barely see them. Her head was now trembling so fast I was wondering how it was possible. And that mouth, man, the mouth was so unnaturally, unfucking humanly open, I swear I saw corners of her lips starting to bleed because her skin wouldn't support the opening, but no sound. The street was silent, probably the most silent I've ever seen it, and the worst part is, it was nighttime. I know I do this a lot, but just imagine it one more time, and you're standing motionless in the middle of the street, and there's a bleeding, wide-open mouth woman an inch from your face doing whatever the fuck she's doing, and not a soul in sight, and no sound whatsoever. 1954. Come the fuck on. And then, as if she heard my thought, her pupils dropped back, and she looked straight at me, and I nearly jumped. She closed her mouth, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'd rather she kept it open. Her jaw started rapidly opening and closing if she were biting something invisible, and her teeth were hitting each other so hard I was sure they'd break. That was it for me. I couldn't take it anymore. I took a step back and screamed, Jesus, fucking stop already. And she did. Teeth stopped clenching. Mouth closed. She stood back up from leaning. She took a step towards me and for the first time ever smiled. 4321-4321-4321-4321-4321. And never losing her smile. What is that? What the fuck is that? I begged. I was ready to grab her, shake her, anything just for an answer. What the fuck did she want from me? 958. What the fuck came from behind me? It was my commander. He ran up to me, disregarding the crazy bitch in front. Did you talk to her? Did you fucking talk to her? He yelled louder while grabbing my uniform. He didn't even pay attention to her. Yes. Jesus Christ, what number? He said, while finally letting me out of his fist. Sir, I answered confused, as he can imagine. What was the last number she said? Was it a zero? No, she stopped at one. Why? All this time, the woman just stood still, looking at us with a smile. Then she took a step towards us. She slowly walked in between my commander and I. Don't say a thing to her. Not a fucking thing, the commander said, with obvious fear on his face. The woman turned from me and turned to him. She got in his face, and even from behind, I could see her mouth wide open. Go, just go, the commander said as he looked at me. He was avoiding acknowledging her. I heard the teeth clenching. I can't leave you. Go and don't come back. I'll take care of this. You know, I like to think of myself as brave, but at that moment, all I wanted to do was leave. But you can't blame me for that, so I started running. Never talk to her again, the commander yelled as I got away. Now, I know a lot of this stuff sounds like bullshit, and you're right, it, it does. But sure, looking back at it now, I could have arrested her. I could have even killed her. And so could have the commander, but you know what? When you find yourself in a situation as impossible and as unreal as that one, you don't act rationally, and you don't think logically as you would in a normal situation. I went home, took a cold shower after making sure all of my doors and windows were locked and collapsed on the bed. In the morning, I texted my shift buddy to see if the commander was okay and said, yeah, why wouldn't he be? Text back meant he made it. That's all I needed to know. I was out of that life. My niece came in town on Friday, and I had her for the weekend, running around... A seven-year-old will make you lose your mind. After a seven-year-old. Let alone leave time to think about some crazy bitch harassing you. Besides, I was done with that job. That morning, I got transfer papers. I spent the whole day taking the kid different places she liked. Shit was exhausting. Saturday morning, I made us some breakfast as we watched cartoons for the good part of it. Then we put in Catwoman movie, and my niece dressed as her... She loved her for some reason. The movie was complete trash. Uh, I guess I wasn't used to having to take care of kids because I fell asleep on the couch already tired. My niece woke me up. She calls me Uki. She was holding my old pair of walkie-talkies. I used to love those things as a kid, so I couldn't say no to that. Let's see if these things work. Go outside the house. I want to check the range of these babies. Her face lit up as she ran out. 
I turned the walkie-talkie on and started playing with it. Static noise was there, meaning the batteries worked. It was only a matter of finding the right frequency. Ashley, do you copy? Over. I tried a few times. I finally heard something. Ashley, do you copy? Do you copy? Over. Hero! Was all I heard. Low volume. Ashley, you punk, you need to say over when you're done. H-E. Row! I heard again. This fucking thing, I thought, too lazy to go out. I took the batteries out, blew on them, as if that ever does anything, and put them back in. Okay, Catwoman, Hero, do you copy now? Over. Zero. Uh-oh, I dropped the walkie-talkie. That wasn't Ashley's voice. That wasn't Hero, I thought I heard. Ashley. I ran outside and immediately started fucking hating myself for letting the child go out on its own. Ashley stood in the middle of the yard, holding a radio, squeezing it hard, and in front of her, the same bitch bent over all the way down to the kid's face. Zero, 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 was what the woman frantically repeated in Ashley's traumatized face. Yes, when some freak harasses me, I can control myself, but a child, my little cousin, I lost it. I ran towards the woman and tackled her with enough force that I was sure I'd hurt her. As soon as I hit the ground, I got up and grabbed Ashley. Are you all right? Did she touch you? I didn't even realize how hard I was shaking her, probably scaring her even worse. Ashley was now crying so hard she couldn't answer. Let's go in, I said, and I turned towards the woman because she was still lying on the ground face down. As soon as we got inside the house, we went to the window. The woman started to get up, and she turned towards us. I'm calling the police. I told terrified Ashley as I picked up my cell. Don't worry, baby, it's all going to be okay. The woman took a step towards the window, then another one, and her nose was bleeding, and she was visibly hurt because she was limping, but it didn't seem to matter. I'll admit it, I was nearly frozen from the rush of adrenaline I had, and we just stood there at the window watching this bitch approach us. Police are on the way, I heard my niece. I told my niece, who was still crying, and the woman walked up to the window. She wasn't looking at me anymore. She leaned towards Ashley's face, and the poor little thing grabbed my hand and was squeezing it way too hard for a seven-year-old. That fucking bitch woman, whatever she was, leaned all the way to the window, and only a piece of glass was separating her from Ashley. I was about to take my niece into another room, far from, far from this thing, and the woman opened her mouth, but immediately closed it into a smile. And then again, it was fucking impossibly strange. She'd open her mouth, her pupils would shoot to the back of her head, only immediately to come back with a smile. She was now alternating inhumanly fast, in between a smile and a gaping mouth paired with nearly pupilless eyes. Let's get the fuck out of here, I told Ashley as I picked her up and took her to my room. Police arrived 15 minutes later, and they scanned the neighborhood and actually caught a woman that matched my description. I was due at the police station for ID, but first I had to drop Ashley off at the train station. Her mom wanted her back immediately after what happened, and I couldn't blame her. I took her to the station, where I arranged for the staff to watch her until her destination. A very pleasant conductor promised he'd watch her the whole trip. He took Ashley's hand and promised to show her the cool parts of the train. Finally, the little kid smiled. As the train was getting ready to leave, the conductor put my niece on the stairs. Say bye to your uncle, he said. We're about to leave. Bye, Ashley. Tell your mom to call when you arrive. Okay. She didn't respond, which was understandable. The kid was probably still terrified. Hell, I was terrified. As the announcer said, All aboard! Was complete. Conductor opened the door for them to get inside the train. Ashley didn't move. She looked up at the conductor. Let's go now, he said. Ashley opened her mouth, looking up at the man. We have to get in now. We're about to start moving, honey, he said again. Let's go. As he entered the train, Ashley followed, and I heard her say, 1098, 1098, 1098. Whoa. I am planning to write about what happened to Ashley at some point, but her family prefers to keep it private. Damn. That was a strong one. God damn, that was well done. Women can't stop reading. It's way more than a book. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Chains of Intimacy, The Love Story, an erotic thriller. Perfect for a long, 
steamy commute. I'd never wanked much before, but now I'm obsessed. It's great. Chains of Intimacy by Terry Bolin. The novel that proves if you spend enough money on a woman, she'll let you piss on her. I'm throbbing like a steam train down here. Available in all good bookstores now. Chains of Intimacy by Terry Bolin. God fucking damn, man. I still can't get over that story. That was a winner. It's always, it's funny. It's never the ones that I think that are actually going to scare me. But, fuck. The ones that uh, sneak up on you tend to get you. Ooh, okay. This is going to be the last one. But I read this fucking true crime story that scared me so bad. Um, I didn't really do anything differently, but it scared me so bad I thought about this after I was done reading it. All right, so I'm going to name the people involved just for the sake of the story. I'm not going to name their last name, though, because I don't want to burn the spot for somebody that potentially wasn't involved in a crime. So I'm just going to use first names. The fucking information for this shit is all online. It happened in 2007. Um, but you can find it without too much effort. I just don't want to be the guy that, like spills the beans on a family that's trying to stay private after something fucking terrifying has happened. So, without any further ado, this is 100% true. Um, there's plenty of information on it online, like I said, and I was reading this at first under the premise that it was bullshit. I thought it was another, like, Halloween-type true crime scare thing, but it wasn't. So, this will be the last story for the evening, and I'm going to take it away right now. A 16-year-old girl named Courtney randomly began receiving texts from her friends from her home in Furcrest, Washington in 2007. Upon looking at the text, she's met with messages from her friends asking why they'd gotten text messages from her, simply saying, GAY! Uh, now, one could be mistakenly thinking that it was a dumb, immature prank on Courtney's part, except for one problem. She didn't send those texts, at least not herself. Left mildly confused at what they were talking about, she brushed it off and thought it was a weird glitch and nothing happened. She didn't think anything of it. Neither she or anyone else involved could have imagined how far these strange occurrences were about to get. Not long after that, Courtney, as well as her friends and family, all started receiving threatening text messages and phone calls from an unknown person that they all referred to later as Restricted, named so after the word that appeared on the caller ID whenever these things happened. As soon as Restricted began their calls, they would regularly threaten to kill, rape, or target humans in the house or also attack the schools they attended and even once threatened to kill the pets. The messages got to the point of coming through around the clock and they would take place on both families' landlines. Uh, keep in mind this happened in 2007. This is when uh, landline phones were still a thing and had not yet gone the way of the payphone. And their cell phone, in an attempt to stop restricted harassment, everyone affected went as far as switching phones changing numbers and turning the phones off, and getting new accounts, but nothing seemed to slow Restricted down even a little bit. At one point, Courtney and her family called the police after finally having enough of the harassment, and while in the middle of explaining their situation to a detective, all their phones turned on and called each other. Ooh, mamacita. Things started looking bad for Courtney after the police traced the threatening messages back to her phone, which seemed to be able to send messages and even make calls when she had it powered off and wasn't using it. Though it was not precisely hard in 2007 to mask their numbers as somebody else's, but either way. At another point, they had returned home after meeting with law enforcement concerning the phone calls when they noticed the new voicemail, which consisted of a recording of the exact conversation from earlier, earlier that day with the detectives. 
Thinking Courtney had something to do with all the harassment, they took her phone away, but that failed to stop the harassment. To make matters worse, the family realized that Restricted, in addition to listening to everything they said, was also able to see them, even when they were inside their home. As they got a new security system keypad for their home, Restricted called them moments later to tell the family that he knew their passcode to it, among other things. Made comments about the family, on their clothing. Uh, the most infamous quote that came from Restricted during this time was in response to one of the victims, Andrea, who was cutting limes on the counter once, and Restricted responded to her doing that, cooking, I guess, by messaging her specifically merely to say how he preferred lemons. Oof. One night, an unknown person banged on the side of the family's house before running off into the night. At this point, taping the camera lenses and even removing the batteries from their phones failed to stop the stalker, whoever the person was, and whatever their motives were, they seemed to be in the exact opposite position of their given nicknames. <laughs> Unrestricted, huh? The ongoing harassment and lack of answers proved to be the stuff of nightmares, a crime in which the victims are continually terrorized by an unknown person who had no intentions or restrictions when it came in slowing down or even stopping, and the cops were left baffled. For reasons still unclear to this day, the mystery appears to have trailed off from there. There have been no follow-ups, arrests, persons of interest, or anything since the attention on the case reached its peak. Some sources hint that the FBI did get involved and the calls then stopped, but that's it. Keep in mind, the very first iPhone had come out around this time, but whether this had any bearing on the lack of any follow-up on the case is anybody's guess. The way it stands, if the situation was ever officially solved, it's never been publicly stated by anybody involved, including neither law enforcement, the FBI, or the victims. As it was not ever made certain if it was simply one stalker, let alone what the motive was, the only substantial evidence to come from the incident was recordings of the voicemail left by Restricted, which has been described as a throaty juvenile rasp stolen from bad horror movies. As for the victims, to clarify on the three families involved, there were three different families this happened to. Courtney and her family, her older sister and family, who was married and living with her husband and a different spouse, and a friend of Courtney who lived across the street from her. Some reports say another friend of Courtney claimed that her phone's ringtone changed without her doing anything to a gruff voice. However, this has been included in very few reports compared to all the other details of the case. So what happened? Well, there's a theory. One theory on the matter is that it was a hoax committed by Courtney. It was her phone, and she could have done it to get on TV. In response to this, Courtney defended herself, saying, Why would I do that to people I care about? Why would I harass my own family? Just as likely as it could be that Courtney could have been responsible, I can also see her as having had nothing to do with it. Her mother was also adamantly defending the daughter, so... Most likely not. Another is a virus or a hack. Another theory argues that Restricted could have gained access to the phones through hacking or a virus. They could have possibly accomplished this through inside help or by somebody smuggling the phones out to give Restricted to mess with them, or even by one of the victims unknowingly abetting Restricted. Courtney reinfecting her new phone, visiting a MySpace page that was tampered with or something. Could have been anything. In terms of how the whole crime could have been technologically possible to pull off in 2007, theories vary. How likely was it to turn on and send messages slash make calls without being in the room? Some military-grade technology would have make it would, it would make it inside the realm of possible in accomplishing this feat, but would have been extremely hard even to have physical access to. Uh, interestingly, though, Courtney and her family did indeed live near F McCord. Oh, I knew it was them, these motherfuckers. McCord Air Force Base, and her brother-in-law did work there. Mmm... The Air Force. I tell you, it's always the fucking Air Force. 
He even received a text from Restricted at one point, which reportedly said, McCord needs us. That said, it could have just been as likely that Restricted uh, merely messing around rather than... It could have just been Restricted merely messing around rather than serving as a real clue to his identity. See, this is what sounds like the Air Force does when they fuck around. I bet the Air Force dude thought it would be funny. Then he's harassing one of his uh, fellow soldiers. <clears throat> Other less technologically savvy ways Restricted could have used to creep on the victims was by physically looking through the windows or texting with somebody who was in the next room from a victim. A suggestion made by law enforcement officials on the case was that a tech-savvy teenage boy could have been responsible. While that could be true, the same could be said if Restricted stalked the family through more, you know, traditional methods. The typical good time and way. Another thing about this... I don't know. I know for a fact that stalking is not good timing. I'm just being a dick. Another thing about this that doesn't make any sense, and I'm not calling it as a hoax, would just be that the victims were terrorized by these phone calls uh, in four months. But why do they still keep using their phones? I get it if they needed them for work or some substantial reason, but undoubtedly, if there was, if they were as affected by the stalker as they alleged that they were, they would have fallen back on older means of communication, at least for a while, to see if restricted would return or stop. Ultimately, though, with everything said and done, many questions arose over whether or not a crime ever happened at all. Long after the attention behind the case died down, the most, most of the reports on it are all based on one victim. Regarding the detail about the family's phones turning off in the presence of the police officer, no such public statements appeared to have been made on this claim, though. Not only that, but for however often we accidentally pocket dial another person or unintentionally open the camera app on our phones, how much of when that happens results in our phones getting clean audio alternative alternatively how could the stalker even get a good view of anything at any time for that matter uh, it doesn't make any sense we're talking about 2007 a time in which the first iphone had just come out and when the landlines and landline phones and myspace were still a thing and when streaming tv show or movie on your phone was still not possible as far as details go on the case there was never a confession made no suspects or people of interest and the last update was that the call stopped as soon as the fbi to get, get involved. And for a case with such an enticing news piece as this presented to the media, the fact that there was never much of a follow-up or an official conclusion makes it confusing to even determine if it ever happened at all. I do believe it did happen, but I think, uh, I think it was probably a disgruntled ex-lover or something of the oldest daughter. If I had to assume, he got a hold of her phone, he tampered with it somehow, probably tech-savvy kid or a 4chan user, and, uh, writes itself, hello, terrified family. Or, more realistically, it was the Air Force testing new technology on a civilian population because they didn't know any better, because they misread the map. Mm. As is their custom. But anyway, before the end of this show, let us talk about all of you listeners. Let's talk about you. Happy Halloween, first of all. Um, I'm nearly certain that you guys love Halloween as much as me. It's very spooky, if you will. So, on the last episode, who was the most influential? Was it you? Did I listen to my podcast more than anybody else? Maybe, but... Not this time. This time, number one for most of the most congregated, yeah, the city with the highest number of listeners, that's better, was Jackson, Mississippi. Wow. 
3% of all listeners, Jackson, Mississippi, you are number one. Followed by Brooklyn, New York, it, Etobicoke, Ontario, Denver, Colorado, Los Angeles, California, Orlando, Florida, Dallas, Texas, Garden Grove, California, Chicago, Illinois, Salt Lake City, Utah, San Antonio, Texas, West Valley City, Utah, Melbourne, Victoria, Tagard, Oregon, Stockholm, Stockholm, Scottsdale, Arizona, Indianapolis, Indiana, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Houston, Texas, Arlington, Texas, and Portland, Oregon. That's the chart topper list. I want to thank you all very much for tuning back in and continuing to do so with the Anthology of Horror. Uh, If you are so inclined, you can see the Anthology of Horror website at anthologyofhorror.com. And uh, you can also send me an email at springheeljack at anthologyofhorror.com. And on the website, if you're so inclined, anthologyofhorror.com, in the top right, you'll see a link to the Patreon page. I've done some basic numbers crunching, and if each one of my listeners donated a dollar every month, it would be extremely helpful, and I could probably crank out episodes at an alarming rate without any sponsorship needed. So I'll continue to make these serious ad-free and with a... Smile and guarantee. But, all that being said, I appreciate each and every one of you for your continued support. Please tell your friends, tell your family. Continue to spread the word because I love having my ego stroked. And you guys are very good at it. So, thank you. And until next time, there will definitely be an episode between this one and Halloween. So, not happy Halloween yet, but until next time, stay spooky.